So the topic of Perik Ha'isha Shenaflu is a concept that we're all familiar with. It's a concept that underpins Masach Ksubis and really underpins the entirety of Seder Noshim and Ezekin. And that is the concept known as Nechsi Milug. So what exactly is Nechsi Milug? The short answer is Nechasim, that a married woman brings with her or acquires during her marriage. However, there's a more detailed and nuanced definition to Nechsimelug, and I think it's very important that we go through that now as an introduction to the next several dafin that we are going to learn. So everyone knows the first Mishnah Masachtis Kedushin. The Mishnah says, Ho'isho niknes bekesef shtarubiyo. Rashi says, Ho'isho niknes lebailo. That means when a husband and wife get married, although, of course, it's a merger of sorts, but at the same time, there's also a Kenyan taking place. The man is being koina. Who is he being koina? His wife. Ho'isho niknes lebailo. That's the opening words of Masechtis Kedushin, stating that these words are sometimes very misunderstood, and if not consciously, subconsciously. Ha'isha Niknes sounds and feels like the man actually owns his wife. The truth is he doesn't. In fact, the Achroinim, the G'dayli Achroinim, mutshed to understand what the Kenyan even is. We've mentioned many times the Nusach that's said over in Yeshiva that comes from Davni Meluim and others in Shail Sechuvah Simen Yud Zayin, and that is that the Kenyan that a man has in his wife is a Kenyan Isser, whatever that is. But the point that we need is that he doesn't have a Kenyan moment. So, for example, if a man before Lincoln freed the slaves would acquire an Evet, he would own the Evet to the point that Masha Kana Evet, Kana Rabbi, anything that the Evet would do, anything that he would earn, would financially, from a Chayshim Mishpat perspective, belong to his master. If somebody owns a house, he owns a Kaili, he owns a Shari, he owns a Chamar, it's his 100%. If you damage it, you have to pay, not it, but you have to pay its owner. Ha'isha, that's Niknes Labayla, is not Niknes in that sense. A man does not own his wife. He has no king in Mammon in his wife. Not Midairaisa, and not even really Midirabonon. What then does Ha'isha Niknes mean? Kinyanisa. What does that mean? But it's very important to internalize this idea that even though the words of Isha Niknes sometimes throw us for a loop, and even though there are Mishnayas and Gemaras that talk about different schusim that a man had in his wife's possessions, but it has nothing to do with the fact that he would have any Kinyan in his wife, because although the Mishnah does say Isha Niknes, all it means is Kinyan Isser, but that's Pashit, it's not Kinyan Mamin, in contrast to almost any other Kinyan that you'll ever see in your entire life, which means... Kipshutai Kenyan mom. Stating that, Chazal did say that a woman that's married, that owns Nechasim, her husband should have certain schusim in those Nechasim. Why did Chazal say it? So the Gemara and Ahmed Zayin brought a brisa and said that different schusim, the husband was granted in exchange for different things that the Chachamim were hoping the schusim would make and trigger the husband to eventually take care of his wife. So for example, Chazal said that we want to make sure that a husband's going to support his wife, whether he's chayim and he's chayim but it's very, very important that the husband support his wife. So Chazal said that if a woman earns income, 
the husband should take the income tiknu maisiyadel tachas mezoynus or tiknu mezoynus tachas maisiyadel. But the point is that Chazal said that the woman is going to have to give her maisiyadayim to her husband. Why? Because Chazal felt that for a marriage to work, it was a very, very smart thing. And therefore, they gave the husband a schos in the Maiseyadai. Mitzia Soyisha is labayla. If a woman finds a Mitzia, it goes to her husband. Not because the husband owns his wife, and as a result, if she now finds a Mitzia, it's automatically going to go to the husband. It was a special takonas chazal, for whatever reason. They wanted that if she finds a Mitzia, the husband should get it. Chazal said that any nechassim that a woman owns, it doesn't matter how she acquired it. Whether she acquired it because she earned it. Whether she acquired it because her father died and she inherited it. Whether she acquired it because she found it. Whether she acquired it because somebody gave it to her as a matana. Whether she found it because she won the lottery. It's irrelevant. The point is, any nechassin that a woman has, Chazal said, at the end of the day, we want the husband to have some schus in it. And what schus did they give the husband and all these nechassin? They gave him the schus peiros. Now, once upon a time in an agricultural society, the word peiros had a little bit of a different meaning than it has today. Today, when you think of peiros, so you think of a fruit, you think of bayer priya eights, you think of... <laughs> Maybe the simonim on Rosh Hashanah. But the point is, a fruit is just something that, you know, sometimes you eat. Your mother wanted you to eat it. That's usually the, the connotation of a fruit. But once upon a time, the word fruit was like a dollar bill. It was the primary source of income. People lived in a barter society. I had a field, you had a field. My f- field produced corn and your field produced soybeans. And we would make a chalip and I'll give you this, you give me that. When Chazal said that the husband gets the payers of the nechsa malug, what they meant to say was that the husband gets the income that the nechsa, that the possessions that the woman brings into her marriage generates. Any income that the possessions of the woman generates, again, regardless of how she acquired those possessions, that income is going to belong to the husband. So, for example, in a case of fruit, in the event that a woman married, has a field. So, if the field produces fruit, the husband is going to be the one that's going to have the schus to have the fruit. Who owns the field? What's the question? Of course she owns the field. It's hers. That's Kenyanisar. Yeah, he has certain schus, but, but it doesn't own her possessions. She owns her possessions. What does he have? He gets to eat the fruit. That's the halacha. Why? Because the fruit is the income that this field is generating. And Chazal said that any income that's going to be generated is going to belong to him. What happens if the field goes up in value? Who's the one that gets to say, oh, my assets just appreciated by 20%? It's her. It belongs to her. What if it goes down in value? She's the one that suffered the loss. You want to know who owns the asset? It's Pasha. It's not even a question. She owns it. He has a schos. What's the schos? He gets to eat the pears. What if the nechassin that she has in her marriage is a house and it's a rental property. What would the payroys of the rental property be? It would be the rental income. As a result, the husband would own any rental income that this property generates. So who owns the property? She does. If it goes up and down in value, she is the bailim on that property. Why? Because why not? I doesn't he have schusim? Yeah, his schus is that any income that's generated by this property is something he's going to have. So any nechassim that a woman brings into her marriage, Chazal made a general umbrella takana and said that in the event that it generates income, the is that income is going to belong to her husband. 
Nechsemelug is those nechassim. Any nechassim that a woman brings into her marriage, whether she brought it in before her marriage, whether she acquired it after her marriage, we said it doesn't matter how in the world she acquired it. It's neither here nor there. Any nechassim that a woman has, this is her own personal money, doesn't belong to her husband. So that's the first thing we have to understand. It's not the husband's. Whose is it? It's hers. Stating that Chazal gave the husband's chusim. Why? They gave him a bunch of chusim and a bunch of chiyuvim, by the way, as well. And the bottom line is they said that you're going to be able to eat the paris of the nechsemelug, the paris of these nechasim. Now, why specifically did Chazal say the husband should be oichel the paris nechsemelug? So the Gemara said it's tachas per koina for all reasons. It's because we're afraid. Apparently, once upon a time, it wasn't so loishchiach. The Gemara says it was loishchiach, but not so loishchiach. And therefore, there were times that women would be taken into captivity and someone would have to redeem them. Pityin Shulim was a very big deal in the times of Chazal, once upon a time. And as a result, Chazal said that if we'll give the husband the paris, now we're the paris of the nechsemelug, we're comfortable now that the husband's going to do what he needs to do, and that is to redeem her in the event that he has to redeem her. But again, long-winded, I'm repeating it, but I think it's Kedai, and that is what exactly is Nechsem Alug. Nechsem Alug are just simply assets, money, a field, doesn't matter what it is, that belongs to the woman. Either she owned it prior to when she got married and brought it into the to the chasana, into her marriage with her, or she acquired it after she got married, despite the fact that she's married and despite the fact that her isha nikness, but it belongs to her. At the same time, Chazal gave him certain schosim, and the schosim that Chazal gave him are that he's able to eat the pears, which means not the apples and the oranges, but it means any income that these nechasim are going to produce are going to belong to him. That's what Nechsemelug is. That's what Paris Nechsemelug is. There is another idea that's me'inyan le'inyan ba'oysa inyan. And that's what's known as Nechsei Tzayim Barzal. So what's Nechsei Tzayim Barzal? So we need to know less about Nechsei Tzayim Barzal for the Gemaras that we're going to learn than we need to know Nechsemelug. But at the same time, it's impossible to properly appreciate Nechsemelug without also understanding what Nechsei Tzayim Barzal is. A woman, when she would get married, would often bring with her an adunya. In fact, the Gemara said, and Daphne Beis, Amit Beis, a son from a pasuk in Yirmiyo, that there's an obligation for a father when he marries off his daughter to make sure that she brings some nadunya. Why? So, like this, she's going to be attractive to potential suitors. Chazal said that it's the husband's responsibility to make sure it's the father's responsibility to make sure that his daughter gets married. And a good way to do that is is to give her a nadun. And if there's going to be an adunya, then in that case, there's a good, better chance that his daughter will be able to find a, a suitable shidduch. If a woman brings in a dunya into her marriage, so what would you say would be the halachic status of that in a dunya? So I think, up until this point, it sounds like Nachsam look to me, the father's giving it to his daughter. Is he giving it to the aid? Maybe, I hear. But let's assume he's giving it to the daughter. So if he's giving it to the daughter, it's her. So it's Nechsemelog. So she would own it. But at the same time, just like with all Nechsemelog, he has a schus that he's oichel the income, he's oichel the peris. So so to here, he would be able to be oichel the peris. And in many cases, that's really the way the Nadunya used to play out. But in most cases, it's not the way the Nadunya played out. There was a, a common minig once upon a time that when a woman would bring a Nadunya into her marriage, the husband and the wife, the mechatunen, would structure the nedunya in a way that gave the husband and the wife different rights in these nechassim. Meaning, they would structure it in a way that was agreed upon, that we're not going to treat this as nechsemolog, but rather we're going to treat it as what's known as nechsei tzayim barzel. Now, what's the 
concept of Nachsei Tzayim Barzal. The concept is, is that the woman says that I'm giving you right now, I'm bringing these assets into the marriage. Let's say it's worth $1,000. I'm bringing the $1,000 into the marriage. It's a field. It's a house. It's, it's mezimin. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm bringing the $1,000 into the marriage. The husband obligates himself that at the time that this marriage is terminated, he is going to give her, when he pays off her ksuba, the $1,000. Right now, who owns that $1,000 asset? He does. What happens if it goes up and it appreciates in value? He's the one that's going to benefit. What if it goes down and it depreciates in value? He's the one that's going to incur the loss. What's his responsibility? His responsibility is that in the event that this marriage is terminated because either he died or because he gave her a get, in that case, he's going to have to pay off a choyv, quote-unquote, which is going to be equal to what the nadunya was worth at the time that they got married. Now, the Nadunya, when it was Nechzid Tzayim Barzal, was written in the Ksuba. And there's even a discussion in the Rishonim if it has a din of Ksuba. The Raman says, Mufurish not. So even though the Gemara said, tonight Ksuba's Ksuba, and Taisvis Ksuba's Ksuba, right in the beginning of Parakafopi 14 Nafkeminas, that Taisvis Ksuba is Ksuba. But the Nadunya, even though this Chayv was written in the Ksuba, wasn't considered Ksuba. But the point is, is that Nechzid Tzayim Barzal is usually seemingly, Mesuyim Tenedunya, and it was a, a privately negotiated transaction between the Mechotana, between the two parties that are getting married, where they say that she's bringing the dunya into the marriage. And usually if she would bring the Chassam into the marriage, it would be hers. The Baal would just have a schus to be Eichel Peiros. Over here, I'm giving it to you, you're giving me his Chayvis back, this is all part of the suspense of the Kriyas Ksuba, let's see how it's going to play out. By the way, in Perak Matzias, the issue we saw that when a woman would bring the and they would write in the dunya in the ksuba, they would even mark it up. He would be nice and connect them, another 50%, all the different numbers that were flying. But the point is, is that that was something that was privately arranged, it was privately negotiated, and as a result, you could do whatever you want. Just to bring out how much is just a privately negotiated transaction, the term why is it called right? means nechassim, so that part we understand. There's no sheep right? Even in the olden days, under the chuppah. And there's no barzel. There's no metal. So why is it called nachsid tzayim barzel? So the answer is because the people that used to drezach and they used to deal in cattle, like the shepherds and the people that owned, they used to make this arrangement. So somebody owned cattle, he would sit down with a shepherd, he's a professional shepherd, and he would give him his cattle and he would take full achrayas so that if it goes up or down in value, the, the shepherd is the one that would incur that profit or loss and he would have an obligation to return back whatever it was he took. The point Point is, this was something that the people that handled in Tsoin used to use, and Chazal just borrowed what was known as a, a, a conventional financial term, financial instrument, and they applied it to this concept. So ordinarily, when a woman brings money into her marriage, it's nechzavalok. She owns it 100%. It just so happens that this is what they used to do. And really, every time a chasana would happen, if you look in the Rambam, Perch and the Chasishos, and in the Ramah, and Simon Samachvavs of Katan Yudalif, and if you look at Rashi in beginning Perch Amonol Kohen Gadot, Daf Samachvav and Masach it's very, very clear that this was a, a privately negotiated transaction. The husband would say, yeah, I want this to be Nechzei Tzayim Barzal. I'll be Makabal Achrayis. I'll write it in the Ksuba. And then it went down as Nechzei Tzayim Barzal. Otherwise, it would be simply treated as Nechzei Malok. So either way, again, just to chazer over what we have over here, we have is, is that when a woman has possessions, she's married. It doesn't matter if she acquired it. It doesn't matter if she earned it, if she bought it, if she found it, if somebody gave it to her. 
the halach is she owns those nechasim. Ayo isha nitnis labayla. That just means kinyan iser. Doesn't mean kinyan momen. Stating that Chazal did give the husband certain schusim in her nechasim. Why? Tachas perkoina. What are the schusim? He eats the pears. What he gets to eat the apples and the oranges. And what if there are no grapes? He gets nothing. No, the pears means the income that it generates, and the husband is the one that gets to eat the income that it generates. The words. A time where a woman would bring money into her marriage, the into her marriage, it would not go this way. It would be treated completely differently. Where he would be the one that owns it, and as a result, any profits or losses, he would be the one that would incur. He would now have an IOU, a chayv that was even written in the ksuba, where he would have to give it back. That was something that was related to Nadunya specifically, and only if they agreed upon it. It seems like usually they did. But it's only if that's what they agreed upon, and then it was a specifically negotiated transaction where anyone could do. Right? Me and you can make an actually time bar arrangement. Anyone could do anything from a financial perspective. As long as both parties agree and they shake hands, so there's no reason you can't do it. And sometimes the husband and the wife used to do that. They used to take this arrangement that the people that handled and signed it and they would apply it. What we're going to focus on more is on the halachis of nechse melo.